congregation, the consistory has one announcement for this afternoon. An attestation has been received for brother and sister Rob and Jamie Van Amerongen from the Spring Creek Canadian Reformed Church, and we welcome them here among us in the congregation. So far, the announcements. Let's uh, please rise and lift up your hearts to God. We begin the afternoon service again by confessing that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the Lord's greeting. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings on earth. Amen. Let's sing Psalm 122, stanzas 1, 2, and 3.
Let's join together in prayer. Eternal God and merciful Father, our Father in Jesus Christ, thank you for being able to spend another hour in worship of your name today for your eminently worthy of worship. You have promised us spiritual treasures and eternal riches in Christ your Son. And we have those promises completely out of your grace. How wonderful your grace toward us, Father. And that makes you also so worthy of praise because we were by nature destined for eternal condemnation. But you delivered up your Son for us and gave us eternal promises in him. How can we thank and praise you enough for such great love? Help us to always appreciate the privilege of being your people and to hold on to help us to hold on to those promises that you've given us with all our strength so that nothing and no one comes between you and us. No one causes us to lose our grip on those promises. And then we pray that we don't just keep those promises for ourselves and for our own children and families, but that we also call others around us to hear about and by means of your spirit also share in those promises. Father, otherwise their, their condemnation is sure and we pray that you help us to be bold in our testimony. We pray for the missionaries and the mission aid workers supported by the congregation here that through them, the many, many who don't know you may be called to you, may through your spirit respond positively to the, your free offer of grace. And we think in particular of the mission work taking place in Papua New Guinea then, that the words sown in the churches and in the Bible college there find good soil in many hearts and grow to bring forth fruit to your glory. Because that's what it's all about. It's about your glory, Father. And give us boldness to talk to others neighbors, co-workers, fellow students at college or university. Because the people around us here need to hear the gospel of life too. And we pray for the leaders of this beautiful nation of ours. Celebrates 150 years this year. Father, we, we pray for your guidance for the, the leaders. For you, the Hearts of rulers are like streams of water which you guide wherever you will. Will you guide the hearts of the leaders of our nation so they come to understand there is no blessing in enacting and upholding laws which go against your goodwill. Father, bless also the leaders of this congregation, the elders in their work to keep close, to keep the people close here, close to your word and in the work of the deacons to bring that word into action in the work of mercy. 
We pray for the minister of the word here, Reverend Chase. Give him the faithfulness and the passion he needs to bring the word, to preach and teach the gospel here in this congregation. And bless his family. Father, we pray that you will be with us here in our worship this afternoon. And that the gospel may be proclaimed in such a way we can apply it to our lives and grow through it in our love for and our service of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray it all in his name alone. Amen. This afternoon, congregation, we open the word of God again to the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, chapter 10, first 15 verses, and then Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, 22 to 32. But we begin with Romans 10. Romans 10. I think we'll read to, the, to verse 17. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. And he's speaking here about the Jews who have not come to faith yet. My prayer for them is that they may be saved, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they, they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not obeyed the gospel, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And then we turn to Ephesians chapter 5. starting at verse 22 to 32. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and his himself, its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So far, the word of God. Let's respond to the word by saying together, Psalm 84, stanzas 1 and 5. to you the word of God this afternoon as we confess that in Lord's Day 25 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 25, page 539, Book of Praise. And we confess there the word as follows. Since then, faith alone makes us share in Christ and all his benefits. Where does this faith come from? From the Holy Spirit, who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and strengthens it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals. They were instituted by God 
so that by their use he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants us forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both the word and the sacraments then intended to focus our faith on the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. The Holy Spirit teaches us in the gospel and assures us by the sacraments that our entire salvation rests on Christ's one sacrifice for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the new covenant? Two, holy baptism and the holy supper. So far, Lord's Day 25. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that also includes you, boys and girls. Why do you go to church every Sunday? For most of us, I'm sure that question isn't one that we ask ourselves every Sunday. We just go to church. And we do it almost automatically. And we'd, we'd miss it if we didn't go. We love to be here on Sundays. Maybe we really feel what the, what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 84, which we just sang too. Your holy courts I, I yearn to see. Faint with desire, I long to be where pilgrims join in celebration. Maybe you really feel that. However, I'm sure there are also times when we're not that eager to be here and we might wonder, what am I doing here? Boys and girls, I'm sure at one time or another you've asked your parents, Dad, Mom, why do we have to go to church? And, and we go twice on Sundays. It's not wrong to ask that, boys and girls. You need to know why, and your parents need to be able to tell you why. Because it's not good for us to simply be here out of habit. And congregation, Lord's Day 25 gives us a good opportunity to think about why we're called to two worship services every Sunday. What, what's going to church all about, really? Well, I could say in the light of Lord's Day 25 and what we read from Scripture is that Jesus Christ comes to you here in the worship service, in worship. Comes to, comes to you in the word and in the sacrament. Himself. Because he is who word and sacrament are all about. You see that in Lord's Day 25, question answer 67. Both word and sacrament are intended to focus our faith on the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation. We're completely dependent on Christ. And he comes to us and he washes us clean of all our sins and he's our food and drink for this life as well as the future life. And he comes to us in his spirit in the Sunday worship services via word and sacrament in order to guide, encourage, refresh, admonish us as we're on our pilgrimage through this life toward the promised land. Now, the previous 
Lord's Days led up to this because they were all about the Apostles' Creed. You've just started with the Apostles' Creed, but it all works up to this. Christ's work for our salvation is explained, confessed, and that leads up to Lord's Day 23 where it's asked, how are you righteous before God? And the answer is only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Only by true faith. And faith is called in the Belgian Confession embracing Jesus Christ. Article 23, Belgian Confession. Lord's Day 25 continues with that topic of faith. Where does this faith come from? Where do you get the arms to embrace Christ with? From the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to give us hands, arms to embrace Christ. Oh, we also believe ourselves. We receive faith as a gift, but then we also believe ourselves too. The Spirit gives us arms, but then we also embrace Christ ourselves. But that doesn't just happen once, and that's it. And then from then on, you believe, like the day of your profession of faith, and from then on, no, this is a lifelong process of professing and growing in love for your Lord and Savior. Something like marriage. A marriage requires husband and wife to regularly communicate their love and respect for each other. And if they hardly ever communicate or show their affection with a kiss or an embrace, they're hardly ever together, their love is going to go stagnant. While the relationship of the church and its members with the Savior Jesus Christ is also like that. We read something of that in Ephesians chapter 5. Jesus comes to us with arms open, and if we don't respond by going to him with open hearts, our relationship with him is going to go stagnant too. And that has eternal consequences, and that's why attending the worship services is so important. Christ comes to us here in word and sacrament, and that's the theme for the sermon and congregation. We all agree that we need Christ, right? In him alone we have eternal life. Life. But we need him not just for eternal life, but that has to start here already too. Now. We need him now. In this life. And the wonderful thing is that he he keeps coming to us here too. In worship. In the covenantal worship. In the church. In the spirit, he comes to us via the word and via the preaching of the gospel. He, he comes close to us. We read about that in Paul's letter to the Romans chapter 10. The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. So that's, that is the word of faith which is preached. <clears throat> we don't have to go out and search for the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need to go up into heaven. We don't need a long ladder to go up into heaven in order to find him, get him. We don't need a long rope to descend into the depths to meet him. No, we meet him here. Christ comes to us in his spirit and in the word and as preached and confessed and sung here in the worship services. That's how he comes here. And you know, that's, that's actually the wonderful thing about the Christian faith. 
in a lot of other religions, you have to find the divine through meditation or through dark rituals or so. You have to kind of connect with the divine in certain ways like that. Or you need to find your way by means of living according to all kinds of rules and regulations or all kinds of beautiful liturgical things. But we may confess that God came to us in his son Jesus Christ and Christ comes to us simply in the word and in the sacraments too, which our word made visible. And he speaks to us in our own language, in human language. And then, especially as preached through men, he is appointed to bring that word. He comes to us through that word because he wants to be Lord of our lives every day of the week. For young and old, the preaching of the word has to be relevant to our lives today. Jesus Christ wants to be Lord of your life here and now. But then you need to hear every Sunday again, too, that he gave his life for you. He shed his blood for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. And that's especially important to know for our everyday lives. And congregation, you realize this is a call for us to be in worship in the worship services every Sunday again, as much as possible. This is not an option. We need to go to church our whole life long because our whole life long we belong to Jesus Christ and we need to be aware of that and grow in that. We need him to come to us in the worship services when we're young. You belong in church here, boys and girls. You're sitting in the benches here. You belong here. Because Jesus died and rose for you too. We read in the Bible that Jesus loved the little children, even little children. Came to him, laid his hands on them and blessed them. Children belong in the worship too. Need to be here as soon as they can. Because Jesus wants to come to them too in the word. And bless them. And for the young people. Young people here, you're often trying to figure out where you are, how you fit in. While in the worship services under the proclamation of the word of the Lord, you discover yourself, who you are, and how you fit into the scheme of things. You discover that more and more through the word. The spirit works in your heart through the word. So that you come to understand that and accept that. You hear that Christ loves you. That with body and soul you belong to him who gave himself for you. And he gives you direction from his word for your life in this complicated world. So that you come to know how you ought to live as a Christian. And you come to know what you're living for in this world. In church, in worship, he also comes to you, adults in the prime of life. He comes to you too. In the middle of all the business, busyness in your family life and in your career and so on, your work, 
all your activities. He comes to you when you struggle to figure out how to divide your time and attention between home and work and church. And then he comes to you on Sundays and in the spirit. And he says to you in word and sacrament. Remember, you actually live out of my grace alone, eh? Don't be anxious about anything, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I'll take care of the other things. And in the worship services, in the word and sacraments, Christ comes to you too, seniors here. He comes to you in the spirit. Seniors, you've experienced a lot of things in your life. You look back and you see your weaknesses and shortcomings maybe more clearly now than when you were younger. You see a lot of things maybe you should have and could have done differently. But on Sundays, the Lord Jesus comes to you too. And he says to you, I gave my body and blood for you for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. And then he guides you too to a life of gratitude in your senior years. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, what I want to say, congregation, we're all different people, different stages in life and so on different characters, different struggles in life, but we all sit in church together here and Jesus Christ comes to each one of us in our own situation, in the word and the sacraments. And then he assures us that we can live out of his grace and his love, whatever our condition is. As Christian, you go to church your whole life through from the time you're around four years old or so. And you go till you're too old to come anymore. You can't attend because of health difficulties, maybe. And even if you can't be here, you wish you were. And you want to listen via other means. Internet or so. And the thing is, we need that cleansing, refreshing gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said cleansing. You can compare it to needing a shower or a bath. The Apostle Paul does that in Ephesians 5. He speaks there about marriage and he compares marriage to the relationship between Christ and his church. And then he writes, he writes there in verses 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Washing with the word. You come here to be washed with the word. You come to worship young and old for a spiritual shower here on Sundays. And maybe sometimes the water is a little bit warmer one Sunday than the next. But it's here every Sunday. That shower Now, there's never a time in your everyday life that you can say, well, I've had enough baths and showers in my life. I don't need any, don't need to wash myself anymore now. We, We all know if we don't wash ourselves, our bodies, throughout our life, you know, every every day or every couple of days, you have to wash yourself. Otherwise, you become filthy and smelly and unhealthy. People start avoiding you. It's that way with church attendance, too. You could, go, you could call going to church your spiritual hygienics. 
wouldn't be good for our souls if we didn't come to church regularly for the shower here. If we became careless in church attendance. We need to be here Sunday after Sunday. Never a time when you could say, well, I heard enough sermons, seen the sacraments administered enough times, I don't need to be there anymore for a while. Or never a time you could say, well, I don't need to come to both services. One is good enough for me. Half a shower. If that's what you think, you have no idea of the kind of person you are. And what kind of world we live in today. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, as God's people, we still keep that old sinful nature inside us. And we need to be sanctified, as Paul writes in Ephesians. We need to be washed inside. Our souls need to be washed. And we live in the middle of a pretty filthy world. Messy. We have to deal with all kinds of dirt every day. Spiritual uncleanness. We're not perfect ourselves. We have sinful desires. Unclean desires. And we sometimes see sinful things. And then the uncleanness enters our eyes. And it takes up room in our souls. Via our eyes. Maybe on the computer looking at pornography or so. And you can't just delete those images with a delete key. Once they're in here, we sometimes hear bad things with our ears. Maybe a lot of gossip or slander or so. Dirt about somebody else. Not easy to deal with when you have that sinful nature too. You just can't erase those conversations from your mind like you erase a CD. You see and, and hear and experience uncleanness in your own life and in the lives of others. So via our eyes and ears, a lot of dirt can enter our souls. Our souls collect dirt. It builds up inside here. We're not of this world, but we are in the middle of it. And they, we collect a lot of muck in there. What a wonderful thing to be able to attend the worship service and to receive that cleansing shower for our souls here on Sundays in word and sacrament. Through the gospel, the blood of Christ washes away our sins and his spirit cleanses our souls again. Think of a child who's playing outside, comes into the house again, covered with dirt and mud, runny nose, everything. Mom takes that child, puts him in the bath, and he's clean again. That's what coming to church on Sundays is actually about. You come here to be cleansed of all the filth in and around you, which you had to deal with and struggle with during each week. Isn't it a blessing that the Lord said once in every seven days? Worship. On Sundays, under the proclamation of the word and singing and confessing of the word, Our scrapes and wounds are cleansed too so they can heal. Heal. Then there's healing for hurting souls here. Souls that have been cut. We can be so upset and hurt in our souls by all kinds of things that happen during the week. 
And then we can come to church wounded, hurt. Hurt by grief. Deeply cut in our souls and lives by physical, verbal, or sexual abuse in the past. Wounded by injustice done to us by others, even brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's because of those kind of things we need to be in the worship services on Sunday. Every Sunday again. Every worship service. Because here the great physician, the wonderful healer, Jesus Christ, comes to us in the spirit through word and sacrament. And his words are cleansing words. Clean your wounds. Through his spirit, he sanctifies, washes our wounds so they don't become infected and debilitate us and maybe even kill us spiritually. His cleansing makes us spiritually whole and healthy again. Not necessarily right away. Because, you know, too, it takes time for wounds to heal, even if they're regularly cleansed. Put iodine or whatever on them, alcohol on their wounds. It's not going to be... The, the wounds and the pain aren't going to be gone when you walk out the front door of the church on Sundays. But the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and risen is still cleansing for our hurt and balm for our souls. Jesus Christ comes to us then in word and sacrament. And in the spirit, he lays his cleansing hands on us. And he gives us strength and comfort and hope and direction again from the gospel of his death and resurrection. And the Spirit helps you to shove the dirt out. And yes, sometimes maybe our, soul, our sores hurt even more when we're in church. The pain is even more intense when we're here under the gospel and the sacraments. But that doesn't take away that they need to be cleansed before they can be healed. It hurts when a wound is cleansed physically too, but also spiritually can hurt. Maybe we sit here with a lot of guilt in our soul. We did things in the past we're terribly ashamed of now. Ashamed of before God and maybe other people too. But the beautiful thing is because we're welcome to come here is that we're welcome to come here with our guilt, the guilt of our souls too. Because that's Jesus' great specialty, washing away guilt. He shows that with every baptism here. He wants to totally wash away all our sins before God. We just need to come here honestly, confessing our sins and sinfulness. We don't have to come to him acting better or holier than we are we can be honest here, examine ourselves, confess our sins before him honestly. And then he comes to us in word and sacrament too. And he proclaims to us that healing and cleansing of all those sins that drag us down. And through that proclamation of forgiveness that's hammered into us here all the time, we're motivated to again Embrace him as our strength and our song, as a savior and as the joy of our lives. So the Lord Jesus comes to us in the word as well as in the sacraments. Also the sacraments, they're the visible word. We could say baptism and Lord's Supper. 
those two. Christ comes to us in the spirit via our ears, hearing, but also via our eyes, seeing. And that's necessary because, as we said already before, the filth of this word world comes into our souls via our ears and our eyes. Via what we hear and see. Well, via our ears, Christ comes to us with his cleansing grace in the preaching of the gospel. And then he comes via our eyes. When we see a child baptized at the front of the church. Or we see the Lord's Supper celebrated. He reminds us every time again of his promise to wash away our sins with his blood. To cleanse our souls with his spirit. And then he says... Come to me in faith. Let me cleanse you. Let me wash you. And then it comes via our eyes with the Lord's Supper celebration. The bread is broken. The wine is poured. And via our taste buds, we sit at the table and eat and drink. And then Jesus comes to us and says, you know your sins. That's why you're sitting here. You, you realize your sins and your sinfulness and your lack of zeal for me, your remaining weakness And you hate it. But I'm still your savior who died for you. And here is the food and drink of life eternal. So you can go on your way to the promised land. Towards eternal life. This week again too. In the sacrament he shows us we need him. And that his death and resurrection was really for us. And he comes to us with his arms open wide. And that has to do something to your hearts, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, when you come to church here. That has to take over our hearts. The word is near you, says Paul. In your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith which we preach. That means that that word of faith may not just stay on the outside. It has to live in our hearts. We can sit here and still not be here. That's possible too. We can come to church every Sunday and every service and come here with closed hearts. But the Spirit wants us to give our hearts to Christ so that we really embrace Him in love and devotion, really come under the shower of the gospel. And then the question has to be too, do we really Open our hearts for him too then. With his forgiving, healing, cleansing grace by a word and sacrament. He says in the Bible, he knocks on the doors of our hearts. He knocks on the doors of our hearts. Do we let him in there? That's the important question. Because the dirt of the world enters there in our hearts. If we keep Jesus out of Out of here, if we don't give him opportunity to enter into our souls, we're in danger of becoming overwhelmed by the dirt of the world in us and around us. And it becomes pretty messy inside here. That's why we need to be in church every single time the consistory calls to worship twice, if at all possible. We can't ever say that we don't need this anymore. Nor can any one of us say in good conscience, once is good enough for me. We're putting our souls in danger then. Because what can happen then is that the dirt and junk inside here piles up. 
and it piles up so high you can't get the door open anymore. The door of your heart open for him. And he's knocking at the door. We all desperately need those two worship services here every Sunday again to clean out that dirt every time again. The Lord God knew what he's doing when he instituted one day of rest in every seven. Because at the end of six days, we need that cleansing, that washing with the word, don't we? And that's why the Savior who loved us so much that he took our filth and our diseases and our hurt on himself calls us, come to me, you who are burdened. Come here every Sunday so that word and, through word and sacrament, I can wash your souls again. And our souls need it more than we often realize. So let's come. Let's come to him too then. And with the door of our hearts open to him. Because we can put ourselves in danger by closing our hearts. Coming here with closed hearts. Congregation to sum it up. I hope you've seen something of how important it is to be here in worship every Sunday in the worship services of every Sunday, if at all possible. Because we're all still sinners. And we live in a fallen world. And there's a lot of dirt flying around there and in us too. We need cleansing. We need that shower. So I hope it never ever becomes a wearisome or annoying obligation to any of us here to come to church. But it's always refreshing, invigorating, encouraging, cleansing. When Christ comes with his cleansing, healing, blessing hands through word and sacraments, just as he did when he was on earth, walking here on earth, also with his loving admonitions so we don't lose his grace. Just like it's refreshing to take a shower after a hard day's work or a session of exercise in the gym. That's how it should be here in worship. When the Lord Jesus comes and the Holy Spirit washes you with his forgiving and healing grace. The forgiving and healing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. On the first day of the week, we can begin every week with a shower. We can meet him here. In fact, we should be relieved to be here in worship with God and his son, Jesus Christ, again. Relieved. Looking forward to it. Thirsting for it. Like the psalmist, Psalm 42. As a deer will thirst in anguish for refreshing water brooks, so for you, O God, I languish. So my soul for comfort looks to the living God above. How I thirst for his great love. Amen. Let's sing that psalm together. Psalm 42, stanzas 1 and 3.
As we read in Romans 10, the Lord wants us to believe with our hearts and also confess with our mouths. And let's do that now by singing the Apostles' Creed, Hymn 1. Let us give thanks. Lord, thank you for a day of rest. Every week again, a day to meet with our Savior, to be cleansed, refreshed, encouraged, healed, admonished, guided. We're people who are sinful by nature, And we live in a fallen and broken world, awash with the dirt of sin. And so we all need that cleansing and healing power of the Spirit of Christ who comes to us through word and sacrament on Sundays. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you. Will you go with us now as we take up our lives and tasks in this new week at home? at work, at school, college, university. We, take a, we go out into the world again. Father, keep our hearts for you, our souls. Keep us in all our travels. Provide for our physical needs. Over the coming days, we pray. We look to you for that provision too. And no matter what may come our way this week, good or bad, help us to hold fast to Jesus Christ, to remain standing strong in faith and in truth, the joyful truth of the gospel. And if you want to take us out of this life, if you 
want to bring all things to the conclusion you have shown in your word too, possibly by sending your son again. Help us to always be prepared to stand before your throne. Help us, in other words, to always seek our refuge in life in Christ. In his perfect work of salvation and renewal. And we pray all this and give thanks in his name. Amen. You have the opportunity now, congregation, to give your thank offerings. And to, today the deacons have designated anchor as the cause. And we sing after the offering, hymn 61, stanzas 1 and 2. <laughs>